Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello, I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we head south to the continental United States' most southern point. I am, of course, referring to Key West, Florida. Initially, the original name of this island was called Cayoaso. Obviously, Spanish name, and if you know the history of Florida, it was actually colonized. Spain. However, the initial Native Americans was slaughtered by their rivals, their enemies, and the rivals had left their bodies to basically rot. So when the Spaniards show up, they see this little island literally covered with bones. And so in reference to the bones, they aptly name this particular area Island of Bones. K-O-S-O. And over time, once the British take over the colony, once the Americans take over the colony, the name obviously changes and eventually becomes the area we know now as Key West. And since pretty much the beginning, this place is just littered with murder, death, and people just dying left and right i mean it's the southern part of the united states so you're talking hurricanes you're talking yellow fever anything and everything that gets thrown into the south we're talking this area now with this history it is obviously packed with ghost stories after ghost stories I, i literally had my pick of what areas what museums, what hotels to discuss tonight. But obviously I can't share them all. So we'll just select the ones that really struck my fancy and I thought would be of interest to you. So we're going to start tonight with the Hemingway House. The Hemingway House obviously being in direct relation to Ernest Hemingway, the American writer who is famous for such stories and novels as The Old Man in the Sea, for whom the bell tolls, farewell to arms, just, you know, to name a few. Ernest was born on July 21st, 1899. He marries his first wife, Hadley Richardson, in 1921. However, over time, and as Hemingway's attentions start to, you know, veer off course here, he begins to have an affair in 1925 with an American journalist by the name of Pauline Piffer, who worked for the Paris Vogue. Now, Miss Piffer was actually quite rich in her own right. And so Hadley and Ernest divorce, and the divorce is final in January 1927. And so that leaves him free to marry Pauline in May 1927. So very quickly, they would go on to have two sons, and they would make their way 
to Key West, Florida, where they would take up residency, settle in. And in fact, he, Hemingway himself, really truly loved this house to the point where he allegedly told his friends that he actually intended to spend his afterlife in this particular home. And would you believe it is believed that Hemingway kept his word? Some tourists swear they see Ernest Hemingway waving at them from the top window. Although, and some of the information that I read, welcoming perfect strangers into his beloved home was not necessarily something Ernest would, in, in, even in the afterlife, would be prone to do. But alas, tourists swear they see him waving. There is documentation of the lights turning on and off by themselves after hours. People have sworn to hear the sounds of a typewriter in his bedroom and also in his study. And it is believed that his ghost itself has been seen at his desk and, you know, still working, still hitting the, the keys. The ones on the typewriter, of course. And he, apparently, he is not alone. It is rumored that the Hemingway house is haunted, potentially, by his second wife, Pauline, because there is a woman who stands by the garden gate smoking cigarettes. She's been seen. So, he's inside, probably still rewriting or writing or editing. Who knows? She's in outside enjoying the view. All the while... Oddly enough, there are at least 56 toad cats living and roaming free on the property. Apparently, while Hemingway was still alive, he was given a six-toe kitty cat by a sea captain. And Ernest absolutely loved this guy. And the cat obviously, at that time, didn't get fixed. So he bred and spread his six-toe gene. So now there's a ton of cats. But in addition to the real cats, apparently, people have spotted a six-toe spectator in the a ghost, a feline ghost, also hanging around. Now, today, it is a national museum and a national historic landmark. The museum is open daily from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. for walk-in visits. At this time, they're only accepting cash admissions. So, if you're an avid fan... And are curious about the sixth toe kitty cats? This is your opportunity. Moving on from the Hemingway House, let's talk about the St. Paul Church Cemetery. Obviously located behind St. Paul's Church on Duval Street, we are talking about this particular cemetery. Now, this entire plot of land, the church included, was actually donated by the widow of John Fleming for both the church and the cemetery in 1832. She had one request though, and that was the property remain the final resting place of her husband, and they do uphold this agreement. So he's actually buried there, although no one really knows where his actual gravesite is. Now, as I said before, there's just so many spirits haunting this entire island, so clearly the cemetery is haunted as well. So who's haunting this place? Who's still lingering in the afterlife? Well, it has been said that a man in 19th century attire likes to appear in some type of very transparent white vapor. And actually, people believe it's John Fleming himself, and he comes across pissed off, although nobody seems to know why. 
But his apparition tends to startle many, which is maybe something he likes to do to get kicks in the afterlife. Another spirit that roams the area is a sea captain who deliberately, actually, deliberately likes to frighten the visitors. And a third ghost is the ghost of a man who apparently in his lifetime was well known for driving the pirates. Because, again, I mean, what a key place. What a wonderful hidden place for pirates. But this particular guy, he drove the pirates out of Key West. And he's still kind of pissed off, probably because he didn't get to live his La Vida Loca life. I don't know. But it is said that he is angry. And he is very... He can be very taunting. And it is said that he can create like this violent winds if you are too close to his grave and he doesn't like it and he doesn't want you there. So he somehow, supposedly, creates these violent winds to basically usher you away. Now, in addition to these gentlemen, there is actually a sad story of the ghost children that are also present and who have been seen and who have been heard. And they're particularly noted to be around this particular statue of an angel in the cemetery. So why are the children there? Well, apparently, the children were inside the church when a pastor who had caught his wife cheating with the deacon flew into this fit of rage. And as such... He decided he was going to burn the church down. Unfortunately, this group of children were inside the church when he set it ablaze. And the children did not make it. So essentially, they're there. They died there. And now they're hanging out there in the afterlife. And obviously, because of the way that they perished, it is said that smoking sometimes has the tendency to bother the children and spark paranormal activity from them now if you're thirsty the best place to get a cold one or a martini or a nice glass of wine is tony saloon initially built in 1851 it was built as an ice house that doubled as a morgue but over time it exchanged hands and ownership and it became it became a food joint called Bobby joe's but then Captain Tony Torresino purchased it in the 1930s and turned it into basically the bar that we see today. And believe it or not, because of the area, this becomes the favorite watering hole of John F. Kennedy, Truman Capote, Jimmy Buffett, and of course, Ernest Hemingway. It also has a terrifying history of horrible tragedies occurring on the property and one of them i mean even i was like oh my god in 1885 a hurricane like i said it tends to happen there hit the island and completely destroyed it now in 1885 it was a morgue so when the hurricane destroyed it and the the building essentially gets sucked out into the ocean many bodies followed the building so here you have this scene of dead bodies floating around and it's like you know holy shit there goes our our beloved ones with the exception apparently of one body this particular body was actually lying in front of the building 
only to be later buried underneath the building. So when they buried it, they actually bury it with holy water, probably to bless it, probably to keep it cool, you know, to make sure the spirits are calm and collected. Now, aside from this, just this horrific moment in its history, the trees on the property were also used for public hangings. And these trees are still standing with one of them inside the actual building. And we're talking a lot of hangings. They, they estimate somewhere between 75 and 85 people were hung between accusations of murder, piracy, and other obviously hang-worthy crimes. And again, over the years, as it was a morgue, it was also a bordello, a telegraph office, a speakeasy, and a cigar factory. So we're talking, you know, some questionable business activities. So without a doubt, there were some questionable behaviors and transactions that occurred on the property. Now, in the 1940s, the bar basically becomes an undercover gay bar. And, you know, back then that was still not acceptable. As the undercover gay bar, it was called the Duval Club. And the owner decorated it in a Victorian style. And yes, they had lavish parties. And the gay patrons would actually try to proposition those sailors that would come in. And... Because homosexuality was not accepted, the owner was actually threatened to stop having the lavish parties that were being thrown. Morgan Bird was told to quit, to knock it off, and even threatened by the United States Navy. But he ignored it, and he continued, and the Navy turned around and basically placed this particular club off limits to its sailors. And unfortunately, as a result... It caused the business to lose at least 80% of their business. And so Bird had to shut it down. But the business carried on. And in the 1980s, they decided to do some renovations. And when they pulled up the floorboards to obviously install some new floors, they ended up finding the remains of at least 20 human beings. And, and there's a gravestone actually in the restaurant belonging to a young woman named Avera Drew. Avira was married very early in life. We're talking probably 14 or 15. And she did not choose wisely for her spouse. She married a much older man who was, I mean, we're talking maybe 50s, probably 60s. And on top of being too old, he was an alcoholic and very abusive. Well, having been abused by the man, she turned around and killed him. And it didn't matter that she was abusive to her and that he used to beat her. The fact that she killed him gets her hanged when she's 19 years old. And so they placed her body right next to one of the hanging trees inside the building. And you can actually see her gravestone. And when they pulled up the flooring, they found her gravestone. Now, she's actually not the only person buried there that they know of. Another gravestone found in the floor was a woman by the name of Rhea Sawyer. She had lived from 1900 to 1950. And when she passed, her husband found some very salacious, scandalous, just shocking letters between her and her lover. I mean, my guess is he didn't even know. 
And the letters describe their feelings for each other and they, sh- you know, go over some of the the sexy love trysts that they had. And they would meet at Captain Tony's to initiate their time together. And so her husband ends up dragging her coffin and digging a hole under the tree in the bar. And he's like, well, if this is where she wants to be, this is where she's going to stay. And sure enough, you can see her gravestone in the this particular bar to this day. So you have at least two women buried there, buried at Captain Tony's. In addition to these two ladies, there's actually the ghost of the woman in blue. So here's her story. It is believed she had stabbed her husband along with their two children to death. And the city, basically finding her guilty, hangs her in the same dress she kills her family in, which was a blue dress that was actually covered in their blood. And they don't know why she did it. They assume that perhaps she went crazy. They assume that perhaps she caught him cheating. They don't really know. So there's this is kind of a vague story. But either way, they believe that she was hung in the dress, this particular blue dress, And now she's seen on the property. In addition to her is the story of a young, beautiful woman. Now, when the bar was a speakeasy, this particular woman who was looking for her husband brought her baby with her to the speakeasy. And as she's searching around looking for him, she sees him drunk and making out with, you know, some some whore, some whore. And she just snaps. She goes into the bathroom. She kills the baby. She wraps the baby in a blanket. And she leaves it there and she runs out. And even though no one knows what happened to the woman, there is now paranormal activity that happens to occur in the woman's restroom. There's a, what they call kind of like a ghost trickster who likes to not only mess around in the restrooms, but he likes to lock those stalls when no one's around. So when someone's rushing in to use it, They find the stalls locked and they don't know why, especially when there's nobody in there. Now, aside from these ghosts, aside from these, you know, stories, there's also a very curious paranormal incident that involves actually one of the trees. There was this gentleman who was there. He was getting drunk, but he was eyeing like the tree. He was like, you know what? I'm going to climb this tree. And he goes to climb this particular tree. And when he touches the tree, his hands begin to immediately burn. So they take him to the doctors, to the emergency. And it turns out he ended up getting three degree burns simply by touching the tree. And they don't know why it happened. It sounds like a one-time scenario. But either way, don't climb the trees. Trees don't really particularly care for it. But... Aside from this very strange paranormal incident, the staff have heard voices, sometimes even getting their names called. There are cold spots throughout the building. Again, we talked about the ghost trickster in the restroom. And the doors will open and close without anyone around. And I actually had the opportunity to check out pictures of this particular bar. And this place is just completely covered with dollars and bras. So it sounds like a pretty fun place. Now, obviously, if you go down to Key West or spend any time in Key West, you're going to need a place to stay. 
So let's talk about the Chelsea House Hotel. This hotel was established at the turn of the century. It is a historic boutique hotel and it is reportedly haunted. Guests claim that they have smelled the smell of pipe tobacco in their room. But the most prominent paranormal activity is the apparition of a man who gets murdered by his wife. In addition to him, a few people have reported the phantom sounds of his former wife screaming at him in rage. So, I mean, we might be hearing his death scene from the sounds of it. Now, if you want the most haunted room in this hotel, you're going to want to ask for room 18 because that place apparently is very active with paranormal activity. And it's a small hotel. It's a house, house hotel. So if that's your cup of tea, something small but haunted, then the Chelsea house is just for you. Now, a far more active and bigger hotel is the La Concha Hotel. Built in 1926, it was Key West's first luxurious hotel. And we're talking marble floors. And it included a scenic rooftop bar that just went all out with the decorations, the decor. And it actually is a place favored by both Ernest Hemingway and Tennessee Williams. In fact, Hemingway was known to spend many nights at the La Concha, probably having his affair on his second wife with the woman that would become his third wife. He was kind of a busybody that way. And Tennessee Williams himself even finished one of his most famous plays, A Streetcar Named Desire, at this hotel. Now, like I said previously, this is the tallest building in the area. And as such, it's kind of a draw for those who are looking to commit suicide. And reportedly, there's been at least 13 suicides that have been committed there by jumping off the rooftop bar. So, the angry ghosts who committed this suicide, apparently still hanging around the live patrons sometimes have experienced their glasses of wine being jerked out of their hands which they believe is contributed to one of the jumpers who literally chugged down a glass of chardonnay before he took his final leap forward there is the ghost of the bus boy now in the 1980s he was cleaning up after a major new year's eve party and when he was bringing everything out and, and looking to take things down to the, the bottom floor, he had stepped backwards into the elevator that had opened up, except unfortunately the elevator misfired, mistriggered, and the elevator was on a different floor and he basically stepped into the shaft and unfortunately he fell down the shaft all the way down the five flights of floors. So he died. And again, it's one of those rare things where normally the elevators tend to work correctly. Another is the is a bellboy apparition. And it's believed he actually haunts the elevators, which makes sense because he was a bellboy going up and down. And he too is known to hang out in the fifth floor hallways and part of his little paranormal scenario is is that the elevator will now stop on the fifth floor without anyone calling it to the fifth floor but 
People have reported seeing his apparition wheeling his cart towards the elevator and basically going through the elevator and disappearing. In addition to that, some people have heard the cries for help in the elevator late at night as if his ghost was crying for help in the shaft. Now, in addition to the Hemingway house, people have claimed that Ernest Hemingway is also McChillin at the La Concha. People have said that they see what they believe is the ghost of Hemingway. In fact, he's got a suite there named after him. And people who have stayed in the Hemingway suite have reported being woken up in the middle of the night to objects moving and flying about completely on their own accord. And they claim that their bed gets shaken by unexplainable hands or or just they don't know what the fuck's going on. Basically, the bed is shaking and is scaring them, which I could totally relate. Now, the most, in my opinion, curious and interesting paranormal situation is, believe it or not, Robert the Haunted Doll, who is currently housed at the Fort east martello museum so let's let's talk about robert we've done a previous episode pertaining to dolls who might be possessed have some sort of curse has some type of paranormal activity surrounding it robert the doll is one of the most famous dolls in such regard as for the fort itself it actually gets built during the civil war which makes perfect sense but today like i said it's a museum and it has a very interesting display with Robert the Doll. So let's let's talk about Robert for a second. In 1906, Robert the Doll was given to a six-year-old boy by the name of Eugene Robert Otto. His grandfather, who had just returned from a trip from Germany, gives him this doll. Now, there are actual rumors that Robert the Doll was made by a servant who cursed the doll as a means of revenge for the Otto family being abusive towards their servants. But this is just a rumor it has been confirmed by the museum that the grandfather purchased the doll in Germany and gave it to Eugene, or Jean, as they refer to him as. Robert the doll is four foot. He is a stiff doll, and he sports a little boy sailor suit. And pretty much from the beginning of Robert's arrival, shit goes down. It is said that when Otto's parents would check in on Eugene and Robert, they would actually hear two voices coming from the room. And when they would open the door, because they're like, who in the hell is in the room with Eugene? They would find only the boy and the doll. But this was a, a continuous thing. They would hear two voices in the room. And of course, they weren't sure if Jean was like, taking the role of the doll, you know, using his imagination and responding as if he were the doll. They don't know. But they do know that when things would get broken, when when guests would get locked in the bathroom, when things would move on their own or be moved, or bad shit basically happen, Eugene would blame Robert the doll. And, and we're talking even crazy things like lamps and plates would be knocked off and break or any type of mishap eugene would blame robert and he, and he would say robert did it robert did it so i don't know but what we do know is what happens next eugene when he grows up he heads to paris he studies art 
And when he comes back to Florida, you know, Robert's waiting for him. And Eugene just picks up kind of where he lifts off. And he's, I mean, he still loves his doll, regardless of the reported or supposed drama that Robert the dog caused for him. And so he basically makes sure the doll gets special attention. He's situated in the topmost section of the house. However, Jean's wife, Anna, really did not like Robert. And she started asking Jean to please lock the doll in the attic. And he would do it. He would comply. But then they would find Robert sitting in the chair of the room that was made up for him. So basically, Robert would somehow manage to get out of the attic and back to his own room. And this even includes magically reappearing in his rocking chair by his bedroom window. So people would see Robert the doll just McChillin and rocking in the window whenever he felt like it. Which would scare the shit out of me. Now, Jean dies in 1974. And when this happened, Anna lits out. She's like, fuck this. I'm out. The doll can fucking have the house. When the new owners move in, they have a 10-year-old daughter who finds Robert in the attic. And she's hooked. She's like, this is my doll. But just like with Jean, Robert is basically this paranormal nightmare for the girl as well the girl will later on say the doll moves on its own she later claims that the doll will even try to hurt her and people who would visit the house visit the home swear that they would hear like evil laughter and or footsteps like pacing back and forth in the attic so this family was like fuck this we's giving this doll away now so they donate it to the museum and now you can go to this museum and visit Robert the doll. Now, here's the deal though, guys. Robert is still up to his old tricks, but he's got a new one, okay? Staff at the museum swear that they have seen him move and swear that they have seen him change facial expressions. And they've even heard giggling noises coming from Robert the doll but he's upped his game and you will have bad luck if you don't follow what their warning sign says and the warning sign is you must first ask permission to take a picture of Robert the doll and if he does not give it and you take that picture anyways you have basically cursed yourself so the rule is before you take a picture you have to ask his permission. And if he tilts his head, it means no, permission is not granted. And if you don't believe this ridiculous notion of having to get permission, they, the staff members at the museum, have actually started putting up apology letters from numerous guests who have had their lives fall apart after ignoring Robert's wishes regarding his picture being taken. So, I mean, we're talking people have claimed to have lost jobs, missed flights, found their pets dead, gotten divorced. They're not messing around. They literally, like I said, they are posting the letters around his area to let you know that the curse is real. It's kind of like boating. Don't take anything. Leave everything behind. And if you don't get permission, don't take his picture. And so... What I'd like to do is I'd like to close tonight with some of the letters 
that have been sent to Robert. For instance, this was March 10th, 2013. Robert, I'm sorry I did not ask out loud to take your photo. Since then, my husband has lost his diamond out of his ring. I've torn my rotator cup and my daughter's wedding was canceled. All happened before I returned home. Please stop the curse. I am truly sorry. Life is tough enough. Sincerely, Kathy. Okay, so that's one letter. Bad things happen to Kathy's life. Here's another one. Dear Robert. Hello, Robert. How are you? I'm not good. I have a backache. I don't know why my back hurts. Then I remembered you. Two months ago, I took a picture of you. I am so sorry. I did not know that I can't take a picture of you. Should I delete the picture? I must apologize for the delay of sending you mail. I don't know how I can apologize, so I'm writing this letter. I am so sorry. I hope your life is very good. And that chick was from Japan. Another one, March tw- March 31st, 2010. Dear Robert, I am very sorry for not asking your permission to take your picture while visiting the museum last week. Since I have taken your picture without permission, many strange things have happened to me. While driving back from the Keys, a deer ran out in front of our car. We had to swerve to avoid hitting it and ran off the road. We almost hit a tree. Two days later, we had a small kitchen fire. Also, we hear childlike giggling coming from our basement. Last night, I was home alone. I heard a voice coming from the basement. When I went to investigate, I tripped and fell down the bottom three stairs. I got up to run out, but the door was locked. My husband said that I probably turned the lock myself without even thinking about it and locked myself in the basement. But honestly, Robert, we both know the truth. Please accept my deepest apology for taking your picture without asking. Also, please accept my daughter's apology for sticking out her tongue at you and making fun of you. Sincerely, Rosie. Another one. Dear Robert, I went to Key West in October 2009. I decided to come see you. I was told to ask you before I took any pictures of you. I asked you to take your pictures three times. Of all three times, my camera shut off. It was a new camera and new batteries, so it wasn't the camera. So I turned around and took a picture of the hearse behind me and had no more problems with the camera. Well, when I got home, I downloaded my pictures to my computer and realized that a reflection of you was in the glass on the hearse. I didn't really think nothing of it. Shortly after my computer crashed with the virus, I got hurt at work. I lost my job, lost my new truck, lost my home. It has been a downhill slide since then. If I didn't believe before, I do now. I apologize if I upset you. Sincerely, I'm not Sarah Ann. Sure what her last, her first name was. All right, last one. This was dated sometime after August 24, 2007. Dear Mr. Robert, sir, we are very sorry for taking your picture without permission. Please remove your curse. We got the message. Please fix my eye, Xbox, and marriage. It would greatly be appreciated. I will never doubt you again. Your friend, Lee and Deb. So, (laughs) in other words, don't take his fucking picture without his permission it's that obvious and there's countless letters i had my pick i mean you can google this it's on the internet all these letters but also when you're at the museum they they posted the, the letters that he has received 
in form of apology. So don't take his picture. It's kind of that simple. Anywho, so that's it. That is what I have for you for Key West, Florida. All right, on to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. I have a Facebook page, and if you are interested or curious and would like to join, please send me a request. But in the meantime, if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are or have another cursed doll that you would like to hear about, send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. So until next time, please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Mm-hmm.